Welcome back to the Beer O'Clock Podcast. I'm Dylan Toon. I'm Angus Norris. And we are here to bring you all the important views and outdated news from the Australian beer world and beyond. Uh, just to kick it off, if you haven't seen it yet, we did a podcast with Ben Duval of Carwin Sellers. Thank you for doing that, Ben. And that is available now wherever you are listening to this. Yeah, lots of info about um, their collaborational festival, general Carwin stuff, the Canvent. Um, and we've got lots of good feedback about that. So if you haven't listened, give it a go. Yeah, even if it's uh, don't worry about it being outdated out of Canvent because it's mostly background stuff. So I think you'll still get something out of it. Yeah, yeah. It's only, what, the first three days I think we covered and that was about it. <laughs> yeah, the rest was all all background info. How we got it off the ground, COVID stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. And the, in the show notes, if you don't want to listen to our crap in the middle, there's times when you can listen to Ben and when you can listen to us. Yeah. So you can pick and choose as you wish. But, uh, yes, thank you, Ben. That was great chat. Uh, you have a year of the local update for us, Angus? Yep, so it's pretty obvious we're not going to finish again this year. <laughs> so, oh, I know, you, know. you might might get one a day out. That probably would that still leave you short? Yeah, it still leaves us short. I think we're <laughs> almost uh, over two a day, just over two a day. Doesn't ah, get us there. Easy. Um, but so hopefully early next year. Um, there's been a couple go out. I think the last couple of days, so that's positive. Um, yeah, we'll get there eventually. Still chipping away at it. Yeah, exactly. It's that's sort of a project is. that was far bigger than any of us probably thought initially <laughs> yeah yeah it'll be good when it's done though and like you know we can you can sorry always uh update information as it seems necessary and, you know you never know with places closing down stuff might be interesting to have a bit of a time catch-all for some places yeah exactly i think that's it'll be quite useful in that regard like we're, i've updated a few of the ones that did close that i'd already written so there's a few bits and pieces on there yeah um and then on that note, the uh, podcast has been, we've been a little bit behind and you've been a bit behind with the website, as you said. Uh, everything's just been a bit, been a bit less locked up. Yeah, exactly. And we'll get onto that, I suppose. But yeah, the something about being able to go outside again for the first time in sort of seven months has, <laughs> has uh, you know, slowed things down. Yeah, rendered itself more important than um, the hobby tasks which we've mostly been engaging with this year but we should still i think we'll still hit 13 podcasts for the year ish that is the plan yeah so i think it should be we'll we'll make it one a month even if it doesn't come out one a month yeah and uh finally the hottest 100 beers voting is open so you'll have a bit of time to do that but jump on submit some guys on there if uh, you see that they're not on there we put in um mountain cultures double red um, yeah, yeah. There, there's been a lot of chat on social media the last few days about people not being on there. It is up to the brewers to enter it, so give them yep. a nudge. <laughs> and what they enter and so on. Uh, but, yeah, get your votes in for who you like. Um, I, I think Last Serene are going to get a few from me. They will get a few from me. They've had a cracking year. They have, and um, that will be fun heading into Golden Pints season. But... Uh, that is for a later date, but um, what is not for a later date is the news. Uh, so Melbourne's open again, and or just about as open as it can realistically be. Yeah, well, after going, what, eight months of hardly having a beer outside, we've now had lots of beers outside. Everywhere's open. Restrictions are easing by the day. Everyone's being responsible. Well, mostly. <laughs> Everyone that I've seen. I mean, yeah, it's probably... Places we are not going to are maybe not being responsible. But I've yeah, been I think mostly. so. I, I think 
generally the people who go to craft beer venues are going to be more responsible than those who don't. Yeah, and we'll talk about um, a couple of things we did later on, and we can sort of mention anything COVID-wise in there, although mostly be about the beer. Um, the Indie Awards happened. This was they in uh, mid to late November, mid-November, I think. Yep, and it was all streamed online, done COVID safely with no one in, you know, like a big room, yep. <laughs> except for all the states where you were allowed to be in a big room. <laughs> Um, and yeah, some interesting results. Yeah, very. I think the one that stands out for me is the lager category, which was taken out by the tiny little Victorian brewer Hepburn Springs. That's one we'll definitely have to get out to. Yes, yes, it's it's one of the ones that wasn't on the original year of the local list, so it's been growing. <laughs> I'll, I'll do the road trip with you. If it's uh-huh. even open to the public, I don't even know if it is. It is. It is a tiny little brew pub, I think, brewing 150 or 200 litre batches. Well, shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else that really stood out? Um, I was very happy to see Slow Lane's Botany Weiss win champion mixed culture um, because I thought that was an excellent example of a blend of us and, yeah, one of the better sort of, I don't call it, cruisy chilled out sours i had um it, it was an awesome little beer and i'm glad to see those guys get some uh, credit where they where it's deserved yep definitely um probably the other ones we need to talk about are the champion brew pub which is moffat beach yep um so i had a couple of friends run in and do a quick trip report for me so it was very cool um tap list was pretty light um, heaps of stouts, funnily enough, on tap. But um, they said yeah, the vibe is for you. Yeah, <laughs> said the vibe is really cool. They had a dragon fruit sour and a cream ale, so they're both very good. Um, it's one I'd like to check out at some point, and um, yeah, good on them because um, it doesn't seem like a massive operation, but um, it's they've, a nice little award to have. They've just opened a production brewery, so they won't qualify for brew pub next year. Um, but so there's going to be some Moffat Beach beers getting out into the world, which will be exciting. Yeah, that'll be cool. And if we're ever allowed up to Queensland again, we should uh, check that out. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm going up there in uh, February, so well, oh, at, there at, we this, at this stage, we'll see. <laughs> we'll not count any chickens. Um, but yeah, I think Range were the really big winners. We're talking about Queensland. Um, well, and Queensland state champion and, you know, uh, champion indie beer for their Fahrenheit and champion large, small, medium. Uh, small, medium. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's, They've just been kicking goals this year. <laughs> they have been indeed, yeah. And not just in uh, Queensland, as we'll get to later on. Yeah, with a new Abbotsford uh, taproom that opened also just down the road from where I used to work. <laughs> uh, Champion Large was Dainton, which is always nice to see them pick up awards. They're yeah, also Victoria champion. It is. I, I'm not 100% sure how the Indies work out. Uh, champion brewer and stuff but my gut feel is if you release 400 beers you're a reasonable chance because you'll get enough in yes. scoring well <laughs> they probably submit just about everything that would be my guess yeah they also won champion strong beer for their apocalypse second wave Nipah. okay yep um one that uh there's the usual suspects moo brew for tasmania uh bent spoke for the territories yeah. Um, interesting one that we briefly discussed off air was a loophole in South Australia, one that I'm not super familiar with. No, I've never heard of them either. Um, 
So that's another one we need to keep our eye on, I think. Worth, worth mentioning, they also won champion Hybrid Beer for their Astral Project Merlot Sour. And Hybrid Beer is an interesting category. Yeah, I think they're based on a winery um, from my very quick Googling. Um, so that would make sense. They've got grapes around. They can play with stuff. Um, but yeah, Hybrid Beer is, I think, somewhere we're going to see more and more of as the industry sort of matures. Yeah, especially with how the Australian landscape is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the only other thing I wanted to mention personally was that an IPA won the champion pale ale. Um, that was Three Ravens New World IPA won champion pale ale. Good of them to enter it in the correct category. Knowing, That's true. Knowing it uh, and also good of their marketing team for knowing that everyone prefers beers called IPAs. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else on that for you? Nope, nope. In, that's, I think, the Indies covered for me. Um, which goes straight into the other big sort of awardy thing that happened, which was the Beer Cartel Craft Beer Survey results came out. Yeah, which is also always, I think, a really interesting sort of look Snapshot. at the... Exactly, of the industry. I think the most interesting thing for me, though, this year was that they were down almost a quarter of their respondents from last year, down to 17,000-ish from 23,000. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, no, I, uh, I am a bit lost on that front. I, I would have thought people had more time to do it. Um, yeah, I'm a little confused by that. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I'm sure there is a logical reason. Yeah, I wonder if maybe less pe- less breweries pushed it out or something. It might have just been lines. a timing thing. Yeah, who knows? Um. Comparing the state winners is somewhat interesting. Yeah, so we've taken the best brewery venues, which isn't quite ex- exactly the same, but there's some similarities there. Um, so Wayward was the same in, in both? Yes, I should have mentioned that in uh, the Indies. They also won Indies New South Wales. Yep, yep. Um, Victoria Moondog, that makes a lot of sense with Moondog World, I assume, is what people have all voted for there. That's definitely the most venue-based one, I would suggest. Yeah. Yeah, out of the uh, brewery venue thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Black Ops, who also won the best brewery, should be known. Yeah, 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 which is um, great for them. Very happy for them. Yeah, exactly. And we've been to Black Ops 1. Yes. One? Yeah, and, and staff were genuinely lovely. Beer was very nice, great atmosphere. Um, I wouldn't highly recommend. it a great venue. Like it, it's it was a, a brewery. brewery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, I like I the vibe. Yeah, that's fair. And um, I thought the staff were super attentive and friendly, and it was nice. Um, um, don't know I've been to Little Bang. <laughs> I've been to Little Bang in South Australia. That's yep. fun. Oh, I've yep. been to the old Little Bang, I think. I think they've moved since I've been. But that was fun. I'm um, sure that's and good. I haven't, I haven't been to Beer Farm, who won WA. Yep, no, I haven't either. Um, I haven't been to Hobart because they won't open when I was there last. Um, oh, that's Hobart annoying. Brewing Co. won. Um, Capital won ACT. It was, it's either going to be them or Bent Spoke, but it's interesting to see that they got the nod. Yeah, I've only been to Bent Spoke, and I'd be surprised if Capital's venue's better, but well done on activating their their loyal following. Yeah, Canberra. yeah, for sure. Um, and also interesting that... They don't do a territories thing. It's just New- North Northern Territories doesn't get one. Well, there are. I think they might be up to three. So yeah. well, maybe it's time that they should be included. How many, 
are in Canberra, like 10-ish maybe? I don't think it's even that many. Um, is 10 toes, is that Queensland or is that Northern Territory? What are the I, Northern Territory ones? I'm just trying to think. Off the top of my head, I think it's Seven Mile. That's probably what I'm thinking of. Alice Springs. And there's another Darwin one called Beaver or something like that. So looking at it, I don't think any of them got enough votes to actually register. You have to get 1% of the vote to register on the list. Yeah. And on, on the full list, there none of those are mentioned. So that might be the answer. Yeah, could well be. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a few on this list that I um, am, do not know a lot about, which is, uh, yeah, plenty of things to look at in terms of places to go in future as if we need more. As if we need more. <laughs> um, only other thing I wanted to mention, um, with the uh, beer cartel results, just to say congratulations to our friends at Radio Brews News for winning podcast. Completely unsurprising, but good on them. Uh, also, nice to... I don't know if nice is the right word. Uh, funny to see Black Ops is on there. They're, that podcast is fantastic, but I don't think it's been updated in years. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's another sign of how this survey can be slightly manipulated. If they've won Best Brewery, Best Tap Room, Best Podcast, even though the podcast doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, fourth Best Podcast, yeah. Um, but, you know, again, everyone, Black Ops is great, so. Y- yeah, exactly. It's hard to be too upset. Um, anything else for you with that? Uh, everything else made a lot of sense. It was sort of just in a COVID world, you know, online purchasing went up. Uh, more people were supporting Aussie beer. More people were supporting beer from their own state. More people were not buying beer from mainstream liquor stores. All good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and finally, Deeds came fifth, up 114 places, which also makes sense given what they've done this year. Yeah, and the three in the middle are Bolter, Bentspoke, and Stone and Wood, which I think Bentspoke coming third makes them not winning the state venue thing even more interesting. Just fascinating. Almost showing that the it is a venue thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's the closest thing we have to a state thing, so yeah. Yeah. Um, well done. Yeah. Well, it's nice to share the love a bit. There's definitely two main uh, participants in the Canberra Centre, though, two big ones. Um, yeah, although, two yeah, big ones and then a heap of little ones. Plenty more coming in. Um Next up on the docket, we've got the Lion Stone and Wood Tap Contract Debacle. When Debacle is the right way, this is this is a bit of a gross story. Uh, I'll let you take the reins. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, Lion have basically uh, shut out Stone and Wood in their in their tap contract. So when they go to a pub, they uh, tr- say we'll take seventy five percent of your taps, but on the other twenty five, you can't put on CUB, which makes sense. Uh, Heineken, which makes sense, all the big guys, and then at the end, Stone and Wood. Yeah, which on the one hand, look, it might be like you get you, you get something that's not a Stone and Wood, but on the other hand, you might just end up getting more crap, I think, is the thing. It's there might just be no craft beer instead of... It's interesting that they're, they're threatened enough by them to um, exclude them, effectively. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't like it. I think it's a little bit... I think tap contracts are a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, I think they are a, a bit of a nightmare <laughs> in and of themselves. Um, I, I just didn't find this good. I think they can exist, exist alongside each other. Um, 
let's be real, Lions offerings are not really going to be, you know, uh, competing directly with Stone and Wood, I wouldn't have thought. No, I wouldn't have thought so. Although the quote from Lion was quite interesting, um, was that, no, we we don't com- we don't exclude small brewers. So they've effectively defined a small brewer as, you know, less than 10 million litres. Yeah, and look, Stone and Wood are a big craft brewery. I'm sure this is not going to hurt them whatsoever, really. But I just sort of found it a little bit anti-competitive and just... I think it hurts pubs, which is the bad thing. I think it just loses them some sales. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're going to accept a 75% line lion um tap contract you're probably not attracting people who would you know drink that the thing is if you have you know um if you have let's say 12 out of 16 taps and no one wants any any someone picks one of stone and wood you know over 12 of your beers and maybe your lineup's the problem yeah well that is that is a thing isn't it um and at the end of the day the market will dictate what the market wants and hopefully if you know craft beer continues, then we might be able to start renegotiating how tight contracts work in general. Somewhere down the line, that would be the dream. Well, yeah, if more and more pubs start turning against them, they're going to have to, you know, think about their business model. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see, though. We'll see. Mm. On uh, big beer, uh, Foster's is going to air quotes launch in Australia, which is. Um, to say that they are pushing Fosters back out for reasons. I loved launch, you know. Um, but, you know, we sort of joke that Fosters doesn't ex- exist in Australia, but the Guardian article that was posted claimed that in 2015 there were only 10 venues in Australia with it on tap, which is quite unbelievable given its sort of international uh, prominence with Australia. Yeah, I had I heard a funny thing. I don't know if this is true. But I heard that some of the Fosters that was being stocked in bottle shops in Australia was imported from the UK. Yeah, because I think all of it is brewed in Manchester. Which I is think, funny. Yeah, isn't it? It's, um, yeah. The other thing that I loved in that article was the, the guy who was quoted from CUB. His job title was the head of classic brands. <laughs> I just love that that job title exists. I don't mind that too much, though. It, it's a it, you know what they're talking about when they say that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but his quote was also interesting. Uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic has led Aussies to embrace nostalgia and yearn for simpler times. This this means that um, sales are down, and we need to do something to put them back up. Because yeah, yep, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, for me. Like, Australian vintage is definitely a thing. People, you know, try and get into sort of retro brands and things like that. I don't think Foster's is going to be able to get around, convince young Australians that it isn't a bit of a joke. The hard thing is, is that they're going to have to push it to let people know it's back. And by pushing it, it's going to lose the indie hipster appeal that something like a Melbourne Bitter has. Yeah, exactly. Um, So really, you put it out there and don't say anything and then the old blokes won't buy it. But the you know the Brunswick crowd might, but then you go the other way and you lose. I don't think there's any way you get both. No, I don't think there's a way for them to get both. I also don't think Foster's is good enough for anyone to really care. Um, yeah, but we'll guess what we need more more mainstream market. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it'll be an interesting one when we do the ranking of lagers for Australia. Though you could almost argue this is Australia's international representative. 
Well, look, if we're going to allow uh, snow and Singtow, yeah. I'd have to do Fosters and something. We'll have a Fosters and let you know how average it is when they yeah. are back out. Um, speaking of things that are new but not average, uh, new venues. Uh, Range in Abbotsford opened up. You popped yep. down there. Yep, right across the road from Bodrigi. Uh They're not brewing on site. It's just sort of a bar with a with a big cool room. Um, yeah, it's a cool spot. All the beers being cold chip from Brisbane. Uh, releases on the can releases on the same day. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Beer was um, good. You didn't have to wait too long or anything. Uh, well, we went on the opening day, and we probably had like a ten minute wait because mm. of because of COVID stuff. But I don't reckon they could have fit many more people in, like the way they've configured it. Um, anyway, yeah. Um, but sort of thumbs up at the moment, kind of thing. If you if you like Rangers beer, I guess you're sort of saying you'll be able to get Rangers beer there, and it's pleasant enough. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a nice spot. Um, huge takeaway fridges like they're set up um so melbournians can get rangers beer very easily which is nice yeah um Zymergy west in footscray opened up uh top nation and navi the restaurant's uh sort of collaboration looks cool we haven't got there quite yet no i'm really keen to get down there one afternoon um and check it out yeah me too we'll, we'll do that in the near future i'm sure yep um, Garage Project Australia. Yeah, so they are, um, we're drinking so much of their beer, they're now brewing at Hop Nation, I assume at the Mornington um, Brewery. Yeah. Um, and they're looking for an Australian brewery of their own, which is also very exciting news. Yeah, that'll be cool. Um, speaking of launches, <laughs> HPA launch Eclipse Hops into the world. I think we might have touched on this. Uh, Did we? Maybe. 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 Uh, we would have been on the fringes of touching on it. Um, but, yeah, uh, new hop, pretty mandarin-heavy, I think, is what they yep. uh, they they sort of point out. Uh, you've had a few beers from the pack that went around. Yeah, I have. It's really cool. There's loads of different styles in that pack. Um, just seeing how that hop sort of works in different, in different um, yeah, different styles of beer. Um, hopefully there'll be a post-up about that soon. Um, one of the more fun marketing stories of the year has uh, Little Bang releasing 12,000 different hazy. So it's essentially the same beer that everyone has, you know, uh, I think it's, is it, is it like sort of generated by like some sort of machine learning neural network thing to create uh, an algorithm? He like may, yeah, he, it- he, he, the Little Bang guy comes from the gaming industry and he basically spent six months devising this three-word randomizer um, from a list of words he'd he'd put in. So randomizer, the artwork is uh, random-ish as well? The artwork also runs off some randomizing device because they thing. have some, some label printer. Yeah, so there's 12,000 different beers going out there and basically it's just... Well, one, one beer going out there with 12,000 different names. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's, the uh, untapped is going to be a nightmare. Uh, it's going to be very entertaining. I pulled um, from a few of the um, screenshots I saw. Um, I pulled some select names just so everyone gets an idea of what's going to go on. Um, so we've got robot octopus device, yep. alarming role play equation, and satanic burp detector as just examples of what they've gone with. They all sound like real names, to be honest. 
They all sound yeah. like real craft beer names. It's like you wouldn't be surprised if that's what one was called. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's really fun. Um, it'll be interesting to see how if Untapped has anything to say in the sense of like we're going to consolidate these or something. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I imagine they wouldn't care, but it, it's, it'd be interesting. Like, yeah, they clearly Little Bang want to cause chaos, and cause chaos they will. Yep, exactly. I think it'll be hilarious. And yeah, <laughs> we should definitely grab a few of them. And um, yeah, and I'm sure it'll be a good beer too, because you know, Little Bang do good beer. Little Bang, pretty much as a general. Down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, we got Corona shortages. Oh no. Um, but this has been going on for a while. Um, so we got a, a letter from Coles saying that supply was to recommence on the 23rd of November. That didn't really. Um, that sort of happened, I think. But they're still having trouble. It's not. It's not fixed by any means. Yeah. No. It's not fixed at all because the issue is still the ports um, and the the whole logistic network, but the ports in particular. Um, from. What I understand, there's 600,000 cartons of Corona arriving somewhere between today and the end of December, which is all entirely dedicated, uh, predicated on when that ship is allowed into the port and is unloaded and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and this comes from uh, Modelo halting production of the beer earlier in the year because of the coronavirus issues in Mexico. Um, so we're still sort of feeling the, the ripple effect, I guess the sort of butterfly effect from that. I'm fascinated that they still import it and don't brew it under license. Yeah, I think it. I think it's half the reason it's so popular, though. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if most people would know, but you can. I would. I would suggest most people wouldn't know. <laughs> no, but it, I think it does. They would assume it is. I don't know if they would yeah. notice if it wasn't, but um, it is. It is a point of difference, and you can't yeah. really argue with the popularity of it. Um, you just think you're shipping. A minimum six hundred thousand cases. You're shipping a minimum of six million kilos of freight. Yeah, that's it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot without a, a worldwide pandemic. Um, in the meantime, if you like Corona, that's fine. But just drink some craft lager, and you'll be able to have it back soon enough. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of people doing a corn lager, yelling yep. around. <laughs> yep. Uh, Shelton Brothers have gone bust. Yeah, so this is pretty sad particularly for the Aussie Sour and Wild producers. Um, Sheldon Brothers were sort of the big esoteric US importer. So they imported stuff like Cantillon and Mikula in the early days and things like that. Yep. Um, and, yeah, they've gone under. Their bank foreclosed because um, they weren't able to pay, make loan payments anymore due to bars and restaurants shutting down, which was sort of 50% of their trade. Yep. It's... I don't think it's entirely COVID. You know, they had this, they've had this lawsuit that's been, they've been fighting for about nine years after they were forced to pa- make a 2.1 million US dollar payment to another yeah. distributor. Yeah. Um, and I think COVID just exacerbated a problem that was probably going to kill the business anyway. Yeah, it just accelerated the demise, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Sort of went from a business that, yeah, could sort of handle, could maybe handle that judgment to a business that had no chance. Yeah, and that's that's a shame, uh, but thanks for all the beers in the past, Chelsea Brothers. Yeah, exactly. Like, And there'll be no issue for big producers like Canty on who they bring into the state. Someone will pick them up, but yeah. you've got to worry that 
wildflower doesn't get back into the States for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you never know. There's, there's probably a lot of alternative well, that's true. little roots popping up. Um, Behemoth and Chur's crowdfunding was a success. Yep, yep, it was. So they hit their $1.8 million target for, what? It, what is this, the second or third time they've gone for crowdfunding? Yep. Uh, $1.3 million of it was snapped up by the existing shareholders in their priority period. Yep. Um, and the demand for the other 500000 crashed the crashed the site so no uh, not, no trouble uh, no no so, and it, so it was, it, despite the site crashing it was fully subscribed in 23 minutes jeez oh, yeah. good on them crazy the amount amount of demand they've managed to generate mm. um, but the um, original shares had effectively been uh, valued at a th- gone up by a third since the last crowdfunding so that's it looks like, yeah, looks like good investment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, ABAC mainstream audiences unfamiliar with beer styles. Yeah, I thought this was interesting from the headline, and then I read the actual article, and they'd done uh, sort of focus groups around packaging, controversial packaging and appealing to children and stuff, um, with 14 and 15-year-olds and 16 and 17-year-olds. I'm not sure that when I was 14 I could have told you the difference, but it told you if an IPA or a sour or a stout was a beer. Maybe yeah, stout. That you're not meant to. Yeah. But would, it would all just be beer, I think. Yeah, but so the, I think the question was phrased is, can you identify this as, what is this? What's an IPA? Is sort yeah. of how they approach that. I mean, maybe like 16, 17-year-olds nowadays, maybe. It, it's not something you'd care about too much, though, I don't think. No, no. I think at that point it's still just beer. <laughs> yeah. Just um, so I wasn't hugely surprised by that, but, you know. Worth mentioning. It is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Just ABAC doing ABAC things. It, it's good that they're at least trying to do something, even if it's to try and validate their own point. Trying to understand a bit more. Yeah, um, Peter Layla did his top 20 uh, beers of the year, which is always pretty interesting, if nothing else. Uh, it's important, I think, because he is sort of the only mainstream craft beer voice there is. And his taste is reasonably eclectic. And, like, he's, you know, it, it's it's like, you know, for want of a better word, boomerish, but, like, not in yeah. it. But he's he's he is willing to try everything, and this year there was a couple of surprises on there, even for himself. And um, I did see him in in the comments, sort of slapping down some people, saying like sour beer isn't beer and stuff, which is good of him, not something he has to do. But um, yeah, look, he, he has an interesting sort of taste. There's some interesting picks in here. I mean, he always chucks in, you know, a Coopers, which he did this year again. Likes sort of a lot of you know stouts, but not necessarily like big stouts, like you know more of them middle-of-the-road porters and stuff. So we've got, like, Modus's Silent Night porter in here, um, and we've got Colonial's Robust porter. Um, there was which a is... beer farm brown ale as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's some, like, you know, more chilled-out modern sort of session stuff, you know, Stone and Wood Cloud Catcher, uh, Kaiju Crush, yeah, things like that. Um, I think it's a reasonably good list. Like, it's it's a weird list, but any random pick of 20 beers is going to be weird. Yep, and that it is weird, but I think it's worth revisiting down the track somewhere. Yeah, um, should mention that um, just because I suffered through uh, a six PR segment with him on it, talking about him with 
two lovely gentlemen who I know nothing about, but also know <laughs> nothing nothing about beer at all and had nothing nice to say about craft beer. He was very patient and we did manage to glean that uh, Badlands Brewery Pilsner, a brewery I do not even know anything about, um, was his favourite of the 20. Which is, yeah, good to yeah. know. Badlands, I think, is somewhere in regional New South Wales and are, like, are quite old, like 10 years old at least. Yeah, one of those ones that are famous, you know, in their in their home area. Yeah, so I definitely in. had a Badlands beer at some point in my life. Um, and we will definitely have to track down that Pilsner. Um, yeah. Nice to see a Pilsner win as well. It's good. Yeah, it does say something about who did the list, I think, but... <laughs> Yeah, uh, look, I mean, he's got Tomb of Tall and Wildflower and La Serene on there, so I'm pretty happy with those. Yeah. Uh, I a... actually have a, I've had a Badlands uh, IPA at the Dan O'Connell Hotel, which is sadly gone. Yeah. Um, and it's from Orange, New South Wales. So regional yeah, was spot on. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, cool. Well, well, we'll try to do something. Maybe we'll look at some beers that were on here at some point. Uh, if you're really interested and you want to hear something in particular, let us know. Otherwise, we'll just sort of grab stuff. Yeah, exactly. And have a squiz as we do. Uh, the tasting paddle now. We'll try to smash through these quickly because this is getting to be a long news segment. And most of these are fairly self-explanatory. Um, <laughs> so, as usual, I'll serve up the uh, tasters and you can throw them back. Uh, Capital and Bent spoke pouring at Manuka during the cricket. Yep. Um, clearly good. Clearly yeah, good, and we great. can only hope the MCG follows suit. Yes, yes, fantastic. Um, Get some craft beer into the into the members. <laughs> Anything, please. Yeah, uh, crafty cabal relaunched. Yeah, um, lots of good good new deals, special beers coming out. It's I think the best value sort of beer subscriptiony thing you can do in Australia. Like if you use it properly, there's a lot of value in that membership. Yeah, and um, yeah. Definitely worth a look. They and you got to got to support uh, James where we can. Exactly, exactly. Um, Lion are opening a brewery on Lord Howe, which is cool. I know very little about this. Yeah, uh, me too. But um, they are, it's just sort of them supporting small breweries and like local kind of breweries. So it's an interesting thing. It'll be it'll be something fun to have out there. Yeah. Well, it, it's how how bad can it be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll be a corporate sort of venue. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, VB doing silly things. Uh, their advent calendar, which is just a slab of VB, basically. It's it's so good. It's just it's literally just a slab of VB with the cutouts, uh, and it just costs five dollars more than a normal slab. <laughs> and I'm sure it will sell very well. I'm sure they'll have sold out. I'm sure it was a very limited run, and I'm sure they sold out instantly. Thought, yeah. why didn't we make a million? <laughs> it's a fun marketing idea. Uh, VB Volley Collaboration. I reckon 18-year-old me would have loved this. <laughs> you know, buy a slab, get a token or something, get your cheap volleys. Yeah. Look, it, it's it's playing to their market fairly well. Yeah, exactly. But it, they're just volleys with a VB logo on them. <laughs> There'll probably be a million pairs kicking around uh, various oh, for sure. bottle shops and things, yeah. Uh, Snuggo Dog Treats, which are just craft beer dog treats from what I can tell. Yep, that's exactly it. They're just a really good use of a waste product. Um, they've done their first couple of batches with Temple. They've done an Okinawa Sour, like the mash, um, and just turned it into dog treats. They've also done an Anytime Pale. 
Um, and in local news for us, they've just agreed with Westside that they can do a weekend juice dog treat. Lovely, which is great. It's it's just local, small local breweries pairing up uh, with a little local company, and that's great. Yeah, Getting he's in waste product. Yeah, he's in Richmond using a waste product, um, and I bought some for Jimmy for Christmas. So we'll give a report back on if he likes them. <laughs> see how much. Yeah, see if he enjoys them. Uh, Brett Sutton knocked back by Bright Brewery. I thought this was pretty funny. In our in the first week, Victorians were allowed to go to regional Victoria. Brett Sutton got knocked back twice from Bright Bright Brewery for not making a booking, which and is good. For, it's good. Um, he took it with good humour. You know, posted a photo with them and stuff like that. Bought some takeaway beers. Shows they're doing the right thing, and there's no better person to show it to, I guess. And also good that the man making these decisions is a craft beer fan. That yeah, yeah, um, not a bad brewery either. Uh, Sailor's Grave on the Visit Victoria ad, which is a cool little segment. Yeah, I thought it was awesome, that little ad. Um, and I've also found out since that that was actually played on Grand Final Day. Did you know oh, that? No, I didn't, but there you go. Good on him. Yeah. I think I might have exactly. seen it, to be honest, but yeah, didn't really put two and two together for the story. It was, it was at three-quarter time, apparently, Dylan, so we might not have been... <laughs> <laughs> In the right way. No. Um, although I think it was going to be any year, I think this year would be the one. Um but yeah, that, that's just a tourism campaign, but it's a cool get for them. Really good activation for them. Um, and there's a billboard um, on uh, Hoddle Street at Swan Street at the moment, which has got Bilson Brewery splashed all over it. As Again, I think it's Visit Victoria. It's one of those regional tourism bodies. Yeah, which is great. Which is cool. Love good it. to see breweries getting the love they deserve. Yeah, yeah. They're the right kind of breweries to get supported too. People, yeah. bit of history, doing good stuff. Um, Blackhearts, Vine Stefana, and Killer Sprocket all launch cans. It's an interesting three breweries put together. Yeah, yeah, I thought these were all worth mentioning. Blackhearts, I'm not 100% sure why they'd put their red and their gold in cans. You know, the, the coupage made sense to me, but the other two, I feel like a 7 mil body with a cork and cage is the way to go. You'd think so, but, you know, we'll, uh, it, it's fun. It is. I'm sure I'll buy some and drink some. Yeah, exactly. Um, Wine Stefana, really cool. You know, brewery that's over 500 years old. <laughs> Innovating. Yeah, I think the oldest still operating brewery. Yeah, I think it's it's far more than 500. It's almost a thousand. I think. Yeah, the 1056. Isn't that what the Keller beer is called? 1042, maybe. Something like that. It's been a uh, while. <laughs> the, yeah, the the Keller beer is 1516, which is. German purity got Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's been a while either way. Yeah, exactly. And Killer Sprocket have launched some new cans. They look um, really cool. We briefly spoke about them opening a venue a few podcasts ago from memory. Yep, yep. Out in Bayswater, another one we've got to get to. So Blackheart's uh, got an allocation of Cantillon, um, and they only had a single bottle of Rabantier. Yeah, this was interesting when we heard this. Yeah, so this was this is anecdotal, uh, but yeah, don't take this as fact. But it seemed like a good source. Yeah, a decent source who apparently contacted Blackhearts and got this answer. So they only had one bottle, um, which explains why it sold out within seconds. Yeah, like seconds. Multiple people, mo- multiple reports of uh, people f fiving, <laughs> trying to get that that beer. Yep. And, yep, sold out almost instantly. So well done to whoever got that one bottle. Yeah, even more valuable now. 
Um, quite clever though that they they've effectively driven traffic to their canty on stuff that through that. Yeah, I mean you wouldn't have thought you needed to, but it helps. No. You know, yeah. you'd be like me and grab something and chuck a bunch of other stuff in. Yeah, so it, it's a good idea. Uh, Alagash stuff has finally arrived in Australia. Um, almost immediately sold out. Or I think it was the white mostly that rocketed. Yeah, out. yeah. I think white disappeared almost instantly everywhere it landed. Um, I was lucky to get one, and it was amazing. You know, for what is a very sort of maligned style. Um, Got to be famous for a reason, right? Yeah, exactly. And you um, could see why it's famous as soon as you tried it. I have a triple on the fridge, so I'll report back. I also have a trip in the fridge. We'll both report back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Wood Pacific Moonshine. This, this is a fun little thing. Yeah, really cool little story. Um, so they took all the unopened kegs from their venues back when they all had to shut down for COVID and used Cape Bar and Distillery to turn it into Pacific Ale Moonshine. And, yeah, it should be said, obviously, offered credits to their yeah. people buying them which is like you know it's great it's it's actually directly supporting them while still doing something with the beer i think it's just exactly. a win win it's really around. clever it's a really nice story all around and i would love to try it it's just uh, i'm yeah, hoping I, that i'm hoping a bar or something gets it yeah i keep going is it worth 90 dollars <laughs> like maybe uh, i i, I yeah. would like to yeah i'm just hoping that a bar gets it and we can just have a couple and yeah yeah we will try to report back at some stage. Um, Smiling Samoyed uh, submitting an 11-month-old red IPA. I thought this was a great little story. This only came out today. Um, they sub- they do the Royal Adelaide Beer Show um, every year. Um, they tasted their Heartbreaker red IPA that was bottled in January, submitted it um, because they thought it was tasting so good with their new bottling line, and, yeah, picked up a silver medal, which is amazing. Yeah, good on them, and it clearly shows that they, you know, have their taste dialed in. Yeah, and why, you know, it pays to invest in good equipment, good bottom lines, keep all the oxygen out, all that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, it is a glowing endorsement of their bottling procedures. Um, just a few things that we've mentioned on previous podcasts that we just sort of want to touch on quickly. Uh, Gab Summerfest is off the ground. Yep, awesome. Queensland Government. Happy Sunshine Coast, uh, January 2nd, Gold Coast, January 9. Well done so this to is the everyone to get an event up. Yeah, outdoorish sort of replacement for the classic gabs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Mornington Core Range New Beer is an alcohol-free beer. Yeah, I found this fascinating. It's a, um, you know, 0.5% pale. Bit of an odd choice, but sort of makes sense given, you know, recent trends. Yeah, um, it, it's definitely going up. Um, you got from the beer cartel survey, forty-one percent of people said that they've had you know an alcohol-free beer in the past year, which is you know it's a reasonably decent amount. More than I would have thought. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we both have. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> I'm saying most people I know have at least had one here or there. Yep. Um, can which wouldn't sh- have been the case five years ago. No, definitely not. Definitely not. This is definitely a past year sort of thing. Uh, yep. Can shortages, mostly the uh, those colonial lids, right? The no, it's lids. apparently I think New Zealand are having all lid shortages. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, um, and the US again, having it, some shortages too. Yeah, exactly. Um, so again, it's a port issue um, because there's only two suppliers of aluminium cans in the entire world. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, some of them having issues getting sort of 330 mil cans, some of them having issues getting 440s. Some people can't get lids, all that sort of stuff. I guess at um, least in New Zealand, they can still serve at brew pubs and stuff. Well, so, exactly. It's I don't think for New Zealand it will be as big a problem as it could be. Yeah. Uh, in the States, which you're about to just... It's going to be an absolute disaster. <laughs> that it is. Uh, brew... The other little thing on that Sorry. note is both the... Uh, Aluminium can producers have come up with over five percent price hikes. That's nice of them. Yeah, and it's a, I, I can't remember the number. It's either five point two or five point four. It's a strange number to both have come to the same um, conclusion on. This is what we can get away with. Yeah. Uh, Brew have some good news? Um, question mark. Um, CUB have put in their first official order with them to get one point seven million liters a year. Of their beer, yeah, I did say I uh, I do th- question from that announcement how much beer was actually delivered by CUB, <laughs> you know, in this t- drop, um, because it said projected to be one point seven million liters a year. <laughs> yeah, no word on how much they actually took this time. The interesting thing is too that they are clearly not going to stock them at Coles or. Dan's, you know, Coles or Endeavour uh, bottle shops, and they want them to stock them in independence. And okay, he's going to stock. Yeah, exactly. Um, his little Queensland hotel group, which I always forget the name of, um, that sells it for like thirty six bucks a slab, um, which he called one of the biggest um, independent chains in Queensland. And it's three three bottle shops or something like that. Must be big. East End Hotels, apparently. There you go. Um, but at 36 bucks, you've got the best part of $15 excise in that. There's not a lot of profit there. No. Um, I mean, it is it is cheaper than direct competitors, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll keep our eyes out. Um, share prices have stayed steady at one and a half cents, um, which is fascinating considering the revenue this year is down 600000 to $2.2 million, and the losses are up. 300,000 to three and a half million. Imagine your losses losing three and a half million on $2.2 million of revenue. Like, it's good stuff. Um, and there is, yeah, they're sort of relying on the Chinese market and oh, got some bad news for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's never coming, coming to, to fruition, that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> you might have to talk to your buddies in the wine industry and they'll, they'll tell you what's going on there. Um, Urban Alley lose Urban Ale Appeal. Yeah, so this I think we talked about back in February when they originally lost their case against um, La Serene for their Urban Pale, and I think they were also unhappy with the Urban Farmhouse Ales. Um, they were never going to win this. It, it, it was just for, just a waste of time. Um, and the appeals court agreed it's a complete waste of time, and they ordered Urban Alley to pay La Serene's costs. <laughs> so a job well done by all. And... Um... Nothing is going to get craft beer fans on your side more than, you know, taking pointless cases to court against a beloved brand who weren't Ex- doing anything wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Cooper's sale spike is the final thing on here. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. Um, uh, they've recorded a 3.9% increase in beer sales for the nineteen twenty financial year. I'd be interested to see what was driving that. Uh, is it the cans? Is it the the new beers? I think it. Both? I think they said it was XPA um, and cans. Yep. 
which cool. checks out Cancel Out of the Future. We all knew this. Um, and Cooper's just good. living proof that everyone thinks that way. Yeah, and as we've said before, they're nice-looking cans. Yeah. And that does it for a marathon news segment. We'll be back with what I'm we're drinking. All right, we are back with what we're drinking. Um, I think their best place to start is the uh, Canteon event at Mr. West. Yeah, first and only beer event of the year for me. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, and what a doozy. Yeah, wasn't it? It was always going to be good. <laughs> it was It was very good, though. Like, um, a very reasonable entry price and, like, yeah, great lineup. Yeah, unbelievable lineup. And the three sort of, I suppose we're going to call them regular Canteon beers that were there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Were, prob- were some of the three, the best of each of those that I've had. Yeah, agree. And um, the it was very cool having the sort of more, the, the rarer ones like alongside the wines that, that was inspired them. So I think it was ostensibly about the Drogan uh, yep. Lambic. Um, and what was uh, the winery? Cantina... Jordina, or yep, Cantina Jordina, that's correct. And yep. uh, so they they had their Sofia Greco um, orange wine, and so they also had a lambic on the skins of that, which we just managed to taste before it ran out. We did though; we got it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and they were all you know they're all fantastic to be honest. Uh, they were unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, the the Sofia in particular, the actually the wine of the Sofia I think was was spectacular. The wines were excellent. Um, and yeah, trying alongside was a really unique experience. And um, yeah, look, I, I think yeah, it's hard not to wax lyrical about Cantillon, but you couldn't ask for better beers. And Mr. West did a wonderful job, I think. Um, nicely spaced out. The service was very prompt and just a fun time. Just a really, all, really good event. All COVID safe. It was all really well done. Yeah, yeah. Um, fantastic stuff. Big thumbs up from me. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd love to say, like, try these if you can. Uh, I don't think it's really going to happen with the Drogon and stuff, but definitely worth seeking out if you see it. Absolutely. If you if you ever come across one, absolutely. Yeah. But they are like hen's teeth. <laughs> yeah, and, like, Canteon's hard enough to find as it is. But, um, yeah, fantastic event. Um, after that, we went to Westside Outworks, which is always, you know, one of our favourites and um, was good again. It's always good, Westside. Um, I've been a couple of times since the lockdown lifted as sort of my closest brewery. Yep. Um, beer's always good. Pizza's always good. Although we did have one exception this time. Yeah, we had a, had a shocker of a beer. Um, I don't really know what it was. I think it was a lemon sour, maybe? It was a, yeah, I think it was billed as a lemon sour, and it was that, but it was reasonably big, like 6 or 7%, I think. Yep. Um, and was awful, but that is very rare at Westside. Um, had a really good Red Rue IPA. Um, Rated their magical fridge that has some of the best stuff in Melbourne at yeah. very reasonable prices. Got a Cascade Peche Fumé, which um, wasn't smoky. Smoked sort of uh, peach wheat ale. Wasn't smoky, but still excellent because it's Cascade. Yeah. That, if you're into sort of teeth, enamel stripping um, tartness... Uh, Cascades, your brewery. 
and also, yeah, as usual, had that West Side thing where it's like, oh, that was surprisingly well-priced at the end. Yeah. It's always a yeah. good time. Um, Kanban, Carwin stuff, we did do the podcast. Yeah. Um, We're not going to cover it in great detail. Um, the podcast is up there if anyone wants some background. Richo and I are doing a thing uh, every, roughly every four days is the idea. A couple of days behind, so there's no spoilers for any stragglers. For the website, this should be yeah, yeah. Yep. For the website, um, first time Richo has been on the website for probably at least five years. It's That's exciting. always entertaining. Yeah, so there's plenty of content out there for that. Um, been enjoying it so far. Yeah, yeah, a lot of good beers this year. Um, today's was a Chardonnay Barrel Aged Imperial Pilsner. Lovely. That's Boat Rocker. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, um, it's probably better than the Deeds one from a couple of months back, um, but similar concepts. Yeah, it's not my favourite, not my really my cup of tea, the old barrel age pills, and it's the, uh, yeah, I, I kind of don't get it, but that's fine. Um, I didn't really like the Deeds one that much either. Yeah, each to their own, but yeah. I just think that they do really good normal pills in a lot of these breweries, and I'd just rather drink them. Why? Why would you ruin the beautiful drinking beer you have. <laughs> yeah, but I guess, you know, a bit of fun. Yeah. Uh, you popped down to Wolf of the Willows, which is open now? Yep, I did. That was awesome. I actually popped down because they posted on Instagram they were doing mussels in Thai green curry, and I thought, oh, yeah, that sounds like what I need on a Friday afternoon. Yep. <laughs> um, that so was amazing. The menu that, and... that was amazing. Uh, venue's really cool. It's bigger than I thought it was, but, you know, Big warehouse, lots of space out the front for tables, yep. etc. Um, I had a double vision, which is like a tropical hazy double IPA. That was fun. XPA was tasting as good as ever. And Persistence, which is their rye imperial stout Asian whiskey barrels, was also fun. Lovely. Um, I will have to get down there at some point too because I'm a big wolf of the willows. So. Yeah, yeah. Um. Hawkers, uh, is this in regards just to the stuff generally, or is this the order or this bit of is everything? The order. Yeah, that we yeah. did. Yeah, it's put an order into Hawkers, very reasonably priced. Um, just a lot of standard stuff, just some fridge fillers, but um, it's easy to forget just how good Hawkers stuff is. It was better than fridge fillers in the end. That West Coast IPA was, what, a week and a half old or something, and tasting unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was. Not old at all, and Hazy Pale was in a super good spot. Yep, still is in a super good spot. I've still got a few. Um, yeah. And they are just drinking beautifully. Their pills is very nice, as always. Yep. I just think people forget hawkers occasionally, but God, this if you want like some a brewery that's going to knock what they say they're going to do out of the ballpark, it's them every time. Yep. And um, we just missed out on the two for 70 slabs of um, oh, yeah. pale which is a ridiculously good deal because we'd have um, done that too so do that again Marzen we'll, we'll buy them yeah <laughs> take them off your hands uh, you did for Melbourne Cup Day you did your, your yearly La Serene run through I did I did a um, couple of favourite of old favourites in Paradox and Wild Saison which are always awesome um, but new ones for me I had Passiflora which is one you recommended the big passion fruity one yeah, which I really liked. It was amazing. Um, it's like, yeah. it's tart passiona. Like, <laughs> it's, 
It's amazing how much passion fruit they got into that beer. With the depth and complexity you'd sort of expect. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a very hard thing to explain without someone having tasted it. Because tart passiona sounds bad, but good but bad, but doesn't give any level of the depth of flavour that's in that beer. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've had a thing with Last Rain recently. I reckon that beers are getting tarter. Yeah, I, I think that might be. I, I don't remember. Like, I had to say it's on last night, and I'm like, I don't remember this being having this much acidic profile uh, to it. Like, I think Saison's always had a bit of an acidic bent to it. It just seems it seems more prevalent. I remember just having some ones that are pretty spicy and straight up and down. Yeah. Um, this seems definitely, yeah, like it's coming through more, which I'm very happy with, to be honest. Yeah, could also just be the wild aspect of it. Could be a barrel that went a little tart. There might just be slightly older bottles or something too. Yeah, something like that. Um, it's it's good though. Like, um, yeah, definitely no complaints here. I do like a bit of acidity in my saison. So. Oh yeah. And the other one that I had on Cup Day was Farmhouse Noir, which I had yeah. apparently never had. Cool beer. Yeah, really cool beer. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I had, yeah, I, I had just randomly in the last month, I've had a, a Saisonette. Um, yep. That's an awesome beer. That is, yeah, it's always consistently underrated and well-priced um, and just a regular Saison. Um, and I've got... Time and Place, I think, in the fridge, which you spoke extremely highly of. I don't think I've had Time and Place. I've had Age and Beauty, which I yeah. reckon might be my beer of the year. It's unbelievable. I'm pretty sure I got whichever one you said to get. Yeah, cool. <laughs> There's a couple in the kicking ground, but yeah, they're, they're the result of um, long-term kind of barrel-aging programs, and uh, they are, yeah, last round just killing it at the moment. Yeah, they, they've almost got an open check from me now they release something it's just like oh yeah i'll buy that doesn't matter <laughs> yeah i just wish their website was a bit less fiddly cellar mm. um, doors open i think this weekend or something. yeah we'll we'll have to get down there i think yeah um finally i think for what we're drinking is um just backus stuff did a backus order they started putting their stuff in cans um which is cool for them um a long time you know they've kind of done the kind of beers that would do well in cans but now they can actually do it consistently I think um, it's really cool. It's about time that they went down that route. Um, do you know if it's their own canning line? I think so, just because I think they are permanently getting rid of bottles by the sounds of it. Or oh, at least okay. Yeah, the majority of stuff like they were clearance pricing all of their bottles out. So I have a feeling they're just straight up replacing it. Although I wouldn't be surprised if they sorted bottles for some of their stuff. Yeah, they're, they're, some of their beers wouldn't well wouldn't not work in a can but would be better suited to a bottle yeah i'm thinking about like, like the, that Islay reserve thing and things like that it's like the old um black arts thing we talked about before totally fine that it's in cans but you know there is a bit of uh romance to a bottle yeah very much so and heavy bottom sort of things for long-term aging make more sense um i think the best thing we had or at least i think the best thing that i had and out of all the stuff i had was the wood black forest that we had together which was a blend of a Brett's Imperial Stout uh, with, a, I think it was a whiskey barrel aged stout aged in wine barrels or the other way around perhaps. Um, Some, with, it was something like that. Yeah, with a whole bunch of sour, sour cherries and wild yeast and stuff put in. And um, yeah, it was just delicious cherry ripe. Um, it was fantastic, a pretty amazing yeah. beer. Yeah, and that, it just showed they do some just really mind-blowing barrel aged stuff um, that flies 
I wouldn't say super under the radar, but um, it's definitely not as appreciated as it perhaps it should be. And I'm hoping the cans might change that, get a bit, some of their more mainstream-friendly stuff, like the Peanut Brittle and Queensland Ale out there, and then hopefully it leads into more. I think their biggest issue is that they do 50-litre batches. Yeah, well, that also doesn't help, does it? No, not for not for volume stuff. Like, it allows them to do all those ridiculous stouts and sours and stuff that they do do. You can get what you want from them, though, usually. It's not like That's they true. sell out exceedingly quickly and, like, they're pretty reasonably priced. Like, you pay a premium compared to other stuff, but it's not like they're unattainably expensive. 18, uh, 18 cans in a box will make the shipping more palatable as well. Yeah, and I like that they've kept that up while well, they've got bottles and stuff. Like I, I'm, As I said, not sure exactly what's happening with bottles, but it's always been a nine-bottle thing with Bacchus, and so now the cans come in twin packs. So, yeah, you can have you know eight cans and five bottles, and they're still doing that as their shipping thing, which I think is cool, good fun. Yeah, yeah I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, anything else what we're drinking, or does that cover most of it? Oh, I think that covers a lot of it, anything that was important anyway. <laughs> yeah, anything we'd have anything to say about and drink. Plenty of good range and stuff that there's not much you can say otherwise than good beer. So yeah, the range range stuff was a nice, n- nice hazies. Yeah, <laughs> as they always are. Exactly. All right, uh, we have a previously recorded ranking of lagers, so there'll be a slight sound quality change um, as we're going. This this was done in person. Um, back to three, which is fun. It was fun to do one in person again, and uh, yeah, have more New- than one. I think News we got can some be palate fatigue by the last one. <laughs> yeah, but at least this way, uh, you can go back to three, and the news can be slightly more timely. And let us know how you think. If it's too jarring, we can perhaps look at that. But hopefully, it'll be fine. Hopefully, it should be alright. We still use a good mic, so yeah. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, uh, won't be too noticeable. Um, all right, well, we'll be back with that. And we are back with the ranking of lagers. We are easing ourselves back into in-person podcasting. So uh, if this sounds any different, apologies. And if it doesn't, then this is recorded in exactly the same way as the rest of it. And it's good to see, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, So we are back to three lagers ranked for this episode. At the moment, our top five is Pilsner Urquell from the Czech Republic, Tenants from Scotland, second. Carlsberg from Denmark, and third. Kilmes from Argentina, fourth. Kingfisher from India, fifth. And the bottom five are uh, Red Stripe from Jamaica, Bintang from Indonesia, Vonu from Fiji, Kus Kenya from Peru, and Blue Ribbon from the contract region of the United States. Um, so every episode we will go back to taking three lagers for as long as we can find them. As um, long as we're allowed to be in person. Yeah. Uh basically slotting them into a master list, uh, taking the most popular by country, using untapped as a tiebreaker of sorts. But most of the time, it's it's fairly obvious what the, the main one is. Market share and stuff dictate that quite well. Yeah, ho- hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and first up this time around, we have Nectar from Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, just going with a, a Euro one to start with. Uh, you want to give us a bit of background? Yeah, Bosnia and Herzegovina is- Pretty small country, sort of near Greece, Albania, all those sort of places. Um, produced by the Banja Luka Pivara, which was founded in 1873. Um, really interestingly, it was actually founded by Trappist monks from the Mariastern Abbey 
which is in Banjuluka, which is where the brewery obviously gets its name from. Um, at the start of the 20th century, it was actually the biggest Trappist monastery in the world with 219 monks, um, but it's now the smallest with only two monks left. <laughs> Not sure what that says. Yep. Naturally, uh, it was na- nationalised after World War II and in 1975 was privatised as a Bosnianska Kravina, which I assume is Bosnian brewery Heritage or something sort of along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are with this lager. Yeah. Um, first impressions are, I, I think there is, this may just be a bit of confirmation bias, there is a touch of something almost Belgian in the malt. There is, isn't there? It's like it's that sort of almost bubble gummy thing. Mm. And that candy sugary almost thing, which probably just means you just use sugar in it to bulk it out. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but look, it works for the illusion. Um, I think we'll have a discussion about where this lands. And, uh, and we are back after momentary deliberation. This is actually going in the top 10. Remarkably, we haven't got one that's in within, you know... Uh, as as we spoke about before, one standard deviation of the mean <laughs> around around the, um, the middle there. It's um yeah, so putting it tenth uh, with Biramuridi above it and Corona below it, knocked down to eleventh. So good result for Bosnia, I think. It, it's a nice little so. lager. It's it's a little bit sweet. It's got some issues, but mostly pretty good. There's no obvious faults outside yep. of it being a little sweet. And that might be a choice, really, which yeah. is fine. So, like, you know, it doesn't have cardboard and corn, which it, it can be choices as well. Um, I must say it is unfortunate that we would come back on a half-decent one because could have used your help on some of the bad ones. <laughs> it's nice only having to drink half a lager again. Well, exactly, isn't it? Um, but this has got sort of a, a nice grassy bitterness at the end alongside that sort of slightly sweet malt bill, but... Mm. Has that Belgian-y thing to it, which adds something beyond the norm, I think. And they, the bitterness doesn't taste extracty, yeah, which a lot of them do. It's not that harsh, raw bitterness. It's kind of it's just grassy. Oh, it's just grassy. It, 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 it's clearly sales hops. Yeah, like, I'd be I'd be shocked if it isn't sales hops. But that sort of Belgian character. It's got a little bit of bubble gum, little bit of. Um, that sort of sweetness. Yeah. yeah. I, I get what you're going for. Um, just just sort of before the bitterness kicks in. It's an interesting little beer, actually. Pretty interesting for a macro lager, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, and I'm not disappointed with where it's slotted in. No, that's a good result. And um, we'll, we'll see where the next two land. Uh, next up on the docket, we have got Namibia, the uh, country of around two and a half million people. And the capital of which is Windhoek, which is also the name of this lager. Uh, Windhoek Premium Lager, crafted with passion since 1920. I'm going to stop reading off the bottle and let you take it away from here, I think. Well, I'd love to have a lot more, but I don't. You know, we're uh, talking about Namibia breweries, uh, founded in 1920, and they follow the Reinhotzgebot as a um, German colony in sort of southern Africa. Um, Look... There's not a lot of this drunk in Namibia because, you know, the population's so small, you know, two, barely over 2 million. Yeah. More than 60% of the production of this beer is exported. Okay. wonder why. 
I wonder why they bother making it, I guess. Why they bother yeah, making it that much? I think it's possibly because of the German influence, you know, yeah. like we'll we'll build a proper brewery, we'll build enough, we'll be able to supply the region around us, all that sort of stuff. Well, I always thought I always thought like, you know, Wintock sounds very Dutch. It me. does, doesn't yeah. it? But yeah, it's that it's that uh, sort of I think it's the Afrikaans yeah, um, yeah. influence from sort of South Africa just down down there. Yeah. And here we end up. Uh, only warning on here is uh, alcohol abuse is dangerous to your health, which is really all you need to have on there. It's like, you don't need to say don't drink it if you're pregnant, don't drink it and drive. It's just, it's just dangerous. Well, yeah. that That's more honest. Is this a 4% mark? Yeah, low alcohol, just over a standard drink. Yeah. Like just over a standard drink. I don't even think it's tipping 1.1. 1. Mm. So, yeah. Uh... Initial impressions is not horrible. No, but we will need further impressions. So definitely, <laughs> we'll come back with one we prepared earlier. All right. So after a brief discussion, we have decided this is going to slot in at thirteen. Um, so as usual, not a big disagreement. It was just a mild shuffling of spots. Just about where it quite slots in with the sort of discussion was around the bitterness here. I think we should say if anyone wants to hear the the horrible process. You're more than welcome to email us and we'll, we'll leave it in one time. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you want to find out why the beer you like didn't quite make it, we'll send you the raw the raw content. <laughs> yeah, you're not missing much. Um, Basically, it's generally around bitterness and... Just w- cohesiveness, I think, is the main thing. It's fine mm. if it's sweet as long as it's built to be sweet. If yeah. it has body and it has bitterness to balance the sweetness out, it's fine. Yeah, so our main issue here is around the bitterness, like the, um, it, it's not particularly grassy. Is that fair? I think it's just rough. Yeah. It's just rough. It, it just doesn't quite, it's such a clean lager up front and it's so much promise and it just doesn't quite finish that way. Quite the way you'd want it to. It just finishes a bit rough. Um, it's not. I wonder if that's an issue with having been stored for nine months for um, COVID reasons. Yeah, look, very possible. Because, um, as always, on the ranking of lagers, we are. Yeah, this has literally been in storage since February. Um, in fact, they all the beer. have today. Yeah, all of these. Yeah, are, all of these were ready to go for the March episode, which we had to cancel for COVID stuff, like the in-person version. And then we've kind of just chipped away at other stuff during the year because I think this was always our lineup for the next episode. And yeah. we just a, quite, a lot yeah. of these we thought we couldn't find again that we had, um, or or at least find easily. Yeah, that was kind of the um, the way we were going with it. Yeah, and so we've probably got another episode of three at least that are like <laughs> this. But we'll 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 knock them off and we'll try and give them their just desserts. They've been sold properly for the nine months. Yeah. Uh, I think after the next couple of episodes, you have a worse lineup than a uh, episode of SVU during an actor strike. <laughs> <It's> a laboured <laughs> little thing that I got there in the end. Um, we will be back with one more. This is the last of the three. Uh, doing three is a bit weird. It, it's odd, seeing as we've done one for the best part of a year. It's um, it's like marathon running. It's like the palate's not really made for it for the macro lagers. Yeah, I'm getting this very corny mouthfeel. Mm. Um, thankfully, we have this Osa, Tasmanian sparkling water. So, Osa, good stuff. Yeah, drink this. Good if minerality. You, uh, if you need a uh, sparkling <laughs> water. And yeah. if you need another sparkling water, we've got snow from China. <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, 
the world's most sold beer. Yep. I feel like that's what everyone knows about it. Yeah. Um, because almost all of the 100 million plus litres they produce is sold in China. Which is in stark contrast to Windhoek. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's also interesting how we found this. We actually tried to look. So the only places we found in terms of sourcing it, despite being you know the most popular beer in the world, not most popular, most drunk. Most consumed, yeah. Yes. Uh, we're a small Chinese restaurant near my house, and then we're on the fucking Gold Coast, and we just found it. Yeah, wandered into some sort of Asian grocer. and Right next to my Chopper Chop Soda. I think it was a Taiwanese grocery. Indeed, yeah. after we just had some lovely Japanese food, I think. Yeah, Gold Coast surprisingly diverse. Yeah, very diverse for... Um, but I suppose that's probably due to the Asian tourist market that they have there, rather than locals bring wanting it, that. Bring it on, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Um, anything else about snow? Yeah, so it's owned by the China Resources Snow Brewery, which is such a Chinese name. It's a hell of a name. Yeah, yeah. isn't it? Um, it's was it first released in 1993, which really isn't that long ago. Yeah, it's pretty new. Yeah. I guess that's kind of when... China started. Well, the CCP sort of were well established and the practices were established. And all that. All of that. It's very easy to forget that, you know, China is remarkably quick growth. Yeah, isn't it? Um, And it was a partnership between Saab Miller and the Chinese Resources Enterprises, which is obviously where it gets its name. Okay. Is it a rice lager? Um, no, apparently not. There you go. But whether they, uh, whether it actually is another question. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I'm genuinely interested just because of, you know, uh, geographically, you look at, you look at Cass, you look at Sporo. Yep. Rice Loggers, it's, yeah. Absolutely. Um, ABI had, had to shell, sell its shares to the Chinese Resources Enterprises in 2016 before it acquired Saab Miller. Um, for regulatory reasons, when it was taking over the whole, yeah, yep. you know, that huge takeover. Oh, it's it's a big market that you're not really going to need. Like, I can't imagine the profit margin massive there. It's worth way more to China than it is to um, Saab Miller. Exactly. And then uh, in 2018, Heineken bought 40% of the shares from the Chinese resources enterprise. So, so it's, it's worth, worth more to China until it's not. Exactly. So it's now owned by ABI, the Chinese Resources Enterprise, and Heineken. Cool. Well, it tastes like it, but it is not <laughs> bad. Um, it's not awful. No, it's a perfectly acceptable lager. Um, um, it's sweet. There is very little discernible bitterness. Yep. There's uh, not a lot else to say. It's very boring. It is. Carbonation is a slightly above average, probably. Yeah, it's. Pretty. Um, yeah, it's there's there's not a lot interesting. It's wholly uninteresting, but it's perfectly well made. It's it's on the slightly sweet side, but multi sweet side, not corny sweet side. And I think intentionally meant to be that kind of leaning towards that side. Yep, absolutely. Um, not a lot of flavour. It's it's fine. Ab- absolutely, it is about what you would expect the most drunk beer in the world to taste like. Yeah, no one will find this offensive. No. Like, it, this is lager. Try. Like, if you're drinking this with spicy Chinese food, there'd be no problem. If you drink this yeah. with fatty Chinese food, there'd be no problem. It's a very it's a very tigery kind of beer, except I think it would be slightly better than tiger. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. It's, it, it's sort of like if you were sitting with mates at a Chinese restaurant eating dumplings, you would have no issue yeah. knocking off 400 of these. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, but the waiter looking increasingly down at you as yeah. he brings you your sixth long neck of your one plate of dumplings. And you're like, no, I, I was almost going to say your seventh plate of dumplings. Yeah. With your four long, <laughs> well, it depends, long It depends what you're, you're focusing on. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to make an argument, which I guess is that I think that as Australians, as, as an export market, um, we should do Singtel at some point. I'm happy to sit with Singtel, seeing as how much of um, Snow's production is sold in China. Yeah, so I'm thinking China outside China, and they, the the market so, is big enough. So we might almost call this internal China versus external China. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy um, with that. If anyone you know listening has prom- problems with that, well, Wayne in particular is probably our most interested um, person in this with his Chinese labels. Might even be worth a few months in touch with Wayne. <laughs> Might send Wayne an email and just double check if he what he thinks that's worthwhile. That but for me, growing up, uh, it was either Singtel or yep. Lucky. Yep. Um, and, and Lucky's not really Chinese, I think. No, and it's also shit house. Um, cool bottles. Bottles are cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I think is what everyone's reaction to it is. Uh, no, Singtel, Singtel is a very... Singtel is a weirdly Australian beer. It is. Um, there would be no Melbourne... And if we pronounce it predominantly, it's Qingdao. Yeah, I think now, yeah. But again, that is un-Australian. Mm, mm. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny because Singtao sounds more correct, but Qingdao is like... It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, Snow, it's fine. Uh, it is slotting in at number 18. Both of us completely understand why it's the most sold lager because it is nothing, yeah. effectively. It is the, uh, the Ur macro lager. The um, quintessential lager, if you will. Yeah. Well, that sounds wrong. Does it? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I just don't like it. I don't okay. like hearing that. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear that snow is you the quintessential. Hear, you want to hear Pilsner or Urquell is quintessential yeah, lager? Yeah. And that's the end of that discussion. That's, that's the, let's just skip the next hundred and fifty countries and just give it the Pilsner. Fuck it, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> um, Look, I hope that we're wrong. I hope that Bill Stokoe gets beaten. Anyway. I, I hope we see more top five entries sooner or later. Yeah, well, today was pleasantly surprising in that regard. Yeah. Um, but with Snow, number 18, uh, below Cantina from El Salvador, above 333 from Vietnam. And, yeah, that is the ranking of loggers. We have slotted in three new entries at 10 and 13 and 18. Um, and thank you to Bosnia and Namibia and China for showing us your wares. And we'll be back next time. All right, we are back with the seller. It's been a while. Yeah, a really long time since we've been in person. Like, what do we do? A couple of seller, remote sellers? Yeah, and we realised it wasn't quite worth it. It wasn't going to work. It really is about tasting the, the same beer at the same time. Seeing what happens. Um, so I've actually tried this before you're going to mention it. It, um, it tastes like, it tastes very much like something I've had before. I don't think you've had this beer before. No, not a beer. It tastes like a ginger ale with like orange peel. You've got a lot of that. (laughs) You've got a lot of it right. Um, so this is a beer from the Rare Barrel, um, and it's called this, it's a Sour Tooth Tiger, which is a golden sour Beer aged in oak barrels with ginger. Okay. So the uh, the, the citrus is just from the old uh, lacto. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume so. It's really cool. So when did you buy this? 
Yeah, uh, this was Calm Beer. I'm going to guess mid-2018, something like that. I feel like that's when they started coming out. Yeah. Uh, so Rare Barrel from Berkeley, California. Yep. That's Orange County-ish. Ish, yeah. Um, yeah, this is nice. This, um, it's very ginger ale yeah, think think uh, rare barrel of the sour ale guys. I think if you're a podcast people, mm. probably listening to us. We assume you're podcast people, but unless you're, a, yeah, we're the only one. No other podcast will dare cross your oral channels. Um, but this is super gingery. Yeah, no, it is. It's it's very ginger ale. It's almost like a, kind of one of those old school cocktails. Mm. Uh, a lot of ginger, a lot of citrus, a bit yeah, of booze. Big, big orange citrus sort mm. of thing, like, uh, especially up front. Um, next to no malt. Um, acidity, like, it's acidic, it's, but it's not that sort of... It's a different scale for yeah. American sour breweries in these kind of bottles. American wild ale acidity is low. Yeah. Uh, Bellino Goza is high. High, exactly. Um so, Yoko, really, in terms of whether this is acidic or not, I think. Um, in terms of whether you cracked at the right time, I hard to Hard to argue with it. Like, yeah. Like, I feel like it's always the answer. Well, look, you, you, you read the front and it says it's a golden sour beer. It's that. There's oak. I don't get a lot of oak. Do you get much oak? Not the vanilla-y oak. Get some, like, woodiness. But, yep. yeah, not, not the classic oak character. No, not huge. Um, and ginger, I get fuckloads because yeah, there is heaps just of heaps of ginger. I think if you left it too much longer, it'd lose some of its brightness, maybe. Yeah, like I think the sort of freshness of the ginger is mm. important here. Yeah, so I think this is the right time to open. So thumbs up, I think. Yeah, it's only been in the fridge for nine months due to COVID. Thank you, COVID. Yeah, so this was put in, yeah, as you said, uh, when we were meant to do the cellar. So. Back in the day, good to have the seller back. Yep. Um, so what do we do? Thumbs up, thumbs down? Ah, uh, thumbs up, I think. I think so. Hard to say no. Uh, nice, easy one. Beautiful. Quickest seller we've ever done, yeah. yeah. That's what we want. Thank you for listening. Hope all the listeners have a good Christmas. Um, as always, you can get in touch with us at uh, Dylan at BeeroClockAustralia.com or get in touch with Angus at Angus at BeeroClockAustralia.com or anything, anything site-related, get in touch with Angus and don't know why you'd really want to get in touch with me, but feel free to. Um, yeah, Dil- Dylan loves emails. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the, the one email every couple months I get. But no, that <laughs> honestly, anything you'd like to, us to check out or in general just any feedback please Thoughts. uh yeah, yep anything um yeah jump on and subscribe to us on spotify and apple if you enjoy listening to us and otherwise we'll be hopefully back later this month if not early next year see you guys 